got a little ahead of myself. We want to welcome everybody that's joining us by live stream. Let's do it that way. Glad y'all are here this morning. You can be turning in your Bible at home to Psalm 127. And we're going to continue and finish up a, a series we started a while back on establishing a godly family. family. This, will be, this is part three of the series, but it's part two because y'all didn't listen quick enough last Sunday. This will be the last part of Raising Godly Children. How to raise godly children. Amen? You missed part one and two? Go to our website, download those. I asked a sister yesterday, I said, have you been listening to my messages? She said, yeah, I listened to one of two years ago. And <laughs> no, she didn't say that. Anyway. Oh, I didn't do the announcements either. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, oh, I do want to say this. Thank you, everybody, for coming out yesterday for the Valentine's deal. Amen? Amen. We had a great time. Hallelujah. If you missed that, man, you missed a good one. Food, fun, games. Whoo! I didn't win anything. I even cheated on the game and Miss Brenda still beat me. I repented later, brother. Amen. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Hallelujah. Now, let me say this again. Let me get back on track here. Whether you are married, whether you're single, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, this message is for you. How many of you know the word of God is for everybody? Yes. Amen. So don't just turn me out, turn me off just because you may not have any kids with you today, all right? Amen. I've said this many times before, and I'm going to keep on saying it. I believe that Jesus Christ is coming sooner than anybody thinks. Amen. And right now, more than ever, we need to have our life, our children, and our households thinking more about God and having them in divine order. Amen. Doing the will of God instead of our own will. I got a message this morning, even when Ronnie was talking, that we need to be quit being so selfish. We need to start thinking more about God than thinking about just our own little, little lives. Spending more time at church than we ever had before. Teaching our kids more about God than we ever had before. Amen? So let's begin here in Psalm 127. And we read this last week. I'm going to read it again. It says, unless the Lord, verse 1, says, unless the Lord builds the house, and you can just stop right there, and you can put the individual, the marriage, the children, unless he builds a godly household, then the labor, the one who labors is laboring in vain. That means if I spend my life building my kingdom, better job, better everything, but God isn't in the middle of it, or actually God isn't in the forefront of it, then I'm wasting my time. Are you listening to me? See, a lot of people want to build their own life, but they want to build it without God, except on Sundays. And then they say it belongs to God, but it don't. 
It don't really belong to him. Because just, it just belongs to him on Sunday. He used to rent it on Sundays. How many of you ever had your life rented out on Sunday? Amen. There's a few of us tell the truth in here. In other words, if you build your house, your marriage, your household, and don't build it on God's word, then your labor, my brothers and sisters, is in vain. This is for every child of God, no matter how old you are. So God wants uh, to build our life. He wants to build our marriages. He wants to build our family. And he wants to build them on his word. But let me tell you something. In order for him to do that, you have to allow him to. You have to allow him to. You have to come into agreement with his word. And I'm going to be honest with you. In my, in my tenure, I think that's the word they use a lot of times. I have no idea what it means. Uh, in my years of serving the Lord, the number one thing that most Christians I have found is hardest for them to do is to come into agreement with God's word. They'll come into agreements with God's word with their mouth, but then their life shows something different. Yeah, pastor, I agree with you, man. I need to be in church every Sunday, every time the door's open. You don't see them for another month. Don't shout me down now. Hallelujah. Hey, it's time to get the big boy britches on. I was telling somebody that it might have been my mom. The people are always pulling on God for everything. But you mentioned them doing anything for him, coming to the church and helping out, set up for the Valentine's deal, set up, and it's like crickets. Very few people actually give out to give their lives to the Lord. They just give them, they give him their weekend because they ain't got nothing better to do. And mom and dad always said, you need to go to church on Sunday. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. See, you got to be able to agree with God. And this is where many, many Christians get in trouble. They don't agree with his words because they want to do what they feel is right. Well, I think I ought to raise my kids this way. I told you last week, one of the things the Lord showed me, when a person says, well, I know the Bible says I ought to spank my kids, but I'm just not going to raise my kids that way because I don't want to. You might as well just say, God, I know better than you about my raising my kids. Then I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do it my way. Many of us do that in our own lives. God will tell, deal with somebody about, uh, or deal with somebody about getting something out of their mind, uh, life, and they feel conviction on it on Sunday, but then on Monday they keep doing exactly what they God convicted them on Sunday to do. Quit doing. Amen. Now I'm preaching. See, I need to stay with my notes because they're a whole lot more gentler. Listen, you cannot argue with God's word. But most, a lot of Christians do when it starts concerning them. As long as I'm preaching on somebody else's street and I ain't parked in front of your house, then you can amen me. Let me come step one foot on your porch. You turn the light out, shut the blinds, and sick the dog on me. Listen to me. Don't get offended by the word. 
Let God correct you. I'm going to do a message here soon that's going to talk on nothing but correction. Learning how to receive correction from the Lord. God gave us his word to help us. He gave us his word to lead us and to guide our lives. So don't beat yourself up if you fall short. Just repent and move on. Amen? Amen. Say, Lord, I'm wrong and you're right. You know, anybody's marriage used to saying that, especially you men. Baby, you're right and I'm wrong. Amen. I see where I went wrong. I know I've fallen short, but with your help, Father God, I'll make the changes that need to be made in that area. That's an easy fix, guys. And you never should get too old to say, God, I'm sorry. I missed it. See, that's what Lucifer actually did. It was a spirit of pride that came on Lucifer. And he didn't want to admit that God was God. That's what a lot of Christians do. A spirit of pride will come on them and they don't want to admit that they're wrong and God's right. Because then they start doing things like interpret the scriptures. Don't shout me down now. We should submit to God and let him build our house. God's building my house. Amen. A lot, of, a lot of Christians want to build their own kingdom. They want to have all everything they want their way. And they'll spend a lifetime. And listen, don't get me wrong when I start preaching like this. I don't have any problem with things. Having all the nice things that there are to have. What I have a problem with is Christians letting the things have them. Amen. And let me tell you something. When you let things, money, cars, if that's all you're ever thinking about, those are idols. And you need to look up the word idol in the Bible and idol worshipers and just, ask, just get, let God minister to you that there won't be none of them in heaven. There won't be any idol worshipers in heaven, guys. And it's not just talking about the worship of little, little fat Buddha, okay? It's talking about worshiping cars. It's talking about worshiping money. It's talking about worshiping maybe a woman or a man. Setting them up as your idol. Getting off of quiet in God's house. I'll get you out of the ditch in just a minute, Okay. But think about that. A person can go through their whole life building their life, building their own kingdom, having all the things of this world, their main focus and the majority of their time and their talents are spent on gathering, gathering all the money that they can make and put it in the bank, gathering all the big houses, with, and they all have to have every amenity to keep up with the Joneses. Gathering all the biggest trucks, all the biggest and fanciest cars, all the great desires this world has to offer. Building their kingdom the way they want to and the way they seek fit. But at the end of their life, none of those things are going to mean anything. They'll not mean anything. You're, there are no U-Hauls going to heaven. Amen. 
No, no pods either. There's no pod service up there. And let me say, share this with you. God will allow me and he will allow you to build your life without him. He desires to build our life with us. Amen. But if you're building your life on your own, it's not going to stand. And if you are right now, guys, don't beat yourself up. Just repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I had no idea. See, a lot of folks, and I've talked to many, many people in this church. And what they'll say is, you know, Pastor, we never heard that before when we was growing up. We grew up in church and never heard stuff like this. It was all just all about Jesus' love. Well, how many of you know God's got to love people whether they want to go to hell or not? Now, the things I'm teaching you today ain't going to send you to hell. If you love Jesus Christ and you, you've made him Lord of your life, you're going to heaven. I'm trying to make your life a little bit better while you're down here on earth. Praise God. Don't wait to get to heaven to be uh, uh, experiencing the joy and the peace and everything that God has to offer you down here. And you can have the things too. I like a new truck. Don't have one. I always buy used because, you know, I was, a wise man once told me, why buy something that's going to depreciate half the $15,000 when you drive it off the parking lot? Let that other fool do that. All right. Hallelujah. Repent and change your mind. And then let God be the master of your blueprint of your life. Amen. Now go over to Job 22. Job 22. And I'm going to have to hurry. I already see the Holy Ghost is speaking too much. I need to allow him more time. Job 22. And what we're doing is we're coming to that place in our life where we're going to allow God to lead us. Amen. We're going to get to that place where we start agreeing with what God's word says. Well, we agree to do what he tells us to do and not just what we want to do. And we're not going to let his word offend us. Amen. Too many people get offended by the word and then they don't want to come back to church. Don't get offended by the word. Let the word change who you are because none of us are perfect. Your pastor's not perfect. I'm working on me too. Amen. Job 22, 21. Talking about agreeing with God's word. It says in verse 21, now acquaint yourself with him and be what? At peace. You want peace in your life? Acquaint yourself with the king of peace. Hallelujah. Then it says this, thereby good will come to you. So all you people seeking things, acquaint yourself with God first. Kind of sounds like Matthew 6.33, don't it? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. Hallelujah. The Amplified in that verse says this, it says, Acquaint now yourself with him. Look at this. Agree with God. And show yourself to be conformed to his will. And be at peace. By that you shall prosper. And great good. Everybody say great good. 
great good shall come to you. Notice it says, acquaint yourself first with him. And then the next thing it says, agree with him. Agree with his word. Agree with God. How do we agree with God? Agreeing with the word. That's right, brother. Amen. It's not fighting his word. It's not trying to figure out your interpretation of the Bible. How many, you know, how many, who can tell me how many times the word interpretation is in the Bible? Once. And it has to do with prophecy. It says no prophecies of private interpretation. The word is never to be interpreted. Never. God does not need me and he does not need you telling him what his word means. And it's arrogance and pride on a person's part to think they got to tell God what he means, what his word means. Well, I think it means this. No, he says what he means. Amen. It means what he says. He does. He don't need me to interpret it for him. Matter of fact, there ain't no human that can interpret it correctly. You read it like it is. It's literal. Every Christian listening to me under the sound of my voice, those watching by internet right now, quit trying to interpret God's word. Start living your life for his word. Do exactly what he tells you when he tells you to do it, and your life will turn for the better. Amen. I'm living proof of that. I used to be the best hellion that ever walked this planet. No greater sinner than who, stood, who was, would have been standing here years and years ago. But I changed my heart. I decided my God was right and I was wrong. Hallelujah. Don't try to fight God's word. Don't try to interpret God's word. And please, do not make excuses for not doing God's word. Well, I would do that if my wife would do it. I would go to church if my husband would. I can tell you this, this is a husband that's not going to keep her out of heaven because I might decide not to go to church, might not decide to serve the Lord. Everybody listen to me right now. If you're blaming somebody else that you're not in the house of God this morning, shame on you. If you're blaming somebody else because you don't open up your Bible and read your Bible every day, shame on you. You notice I'm pointing at them, so... I'm on y'all enough, right? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We got to come to a place in our lives, guys, where we believe God's word is the only truth there is. And if we're going to let God build our house, then his truth, his word has to be our foundation. His word has to be your foundation. We can't just say his word's our foundation. We have to prove his word is our foundation. How do you do that? By applying it to your life. Bible says you'll know a person by their fruit. Person said cannot say I'm living according to God's word if the fruit of their life does not prove it. Amen. Amen. Word of God doesn't work by default. You can't just get 
God's word in your life by osmosis, by just being around other people. In each person that's sitting in, the, in this room this morning, male or female, young or old, you have to get it for yourself. And you'll only get, you'll only get out of God's word what you put into it. You don't ever read his word. His word will not work for you in your life. Will you still go to heaven? Yes. Will you still be blessed sometimes? Yes. God has so much more for us. He wants us to be richly blessed. He wants to be as abundantly blessed. But that takes work. Hallelujah. Word don't work by osmosis. We have to be doers of the word, not just someone who hears the word on Sunday and then don't do anything about it. And I know everybody in here knows that. But faith comes by what? Hearing. hearing. You got to keep hearing it over and over again. How many of you in here walking perfect? Good. I am now going to have to quit the service and have an altar call for liars right in the middle. If you say you agree with God's word, God's going to show you things about you. He's going to show you things that you need to change. When do you change them? Right then. When he shows you, change them. There is no tomorrow. How many of you know that? Nobody's promised tomorrow. There's only today. I finally got my wife trained on that. She used to give me a list to do all week. I said, baby, there's no tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, you know, that didn't work. I mean, I can tell God his word and say there is no tomorrow. No, I'm not promised tomorrow, Lord. But you try telling your wife that when she wants something done around the house? Yeah. Uh -uh. All right, let's move on. You say you agree with God's word, or it says it to, to agree with God's word. So what has he told you about your life? What has he told you about your life? I dare you right now to write it down on a piece of paper. What is he, tell, what is he telling you right now to change about your life? Nothing. He's told you to get rid of some things. But you're still not agreeing with his word. I'm talking to somebody in here. Or I'm talking to somebody by internet. He tells us all to change. Nobody's perfect. Amen. I believe the teachings that we're being given in this church, especially over the last few years, God is preparing his church for his coming. Amen. He wants us to draw closer to him. He spoke more in these last three years about consecration and dedication and separating ourselves from the world. To align ourselves with his word. I believe God is attempting to draw his family, that's you and me, closer together in him. And he's doing it through these teachings. And he's wanting to build godly families on his word. 
There's nothing more important than the local family and nothing more important than the local church. We are the church, I know that. But we, just like I've said this before, we ought to be growing together. I'm going to convict, hopefully convict a lot of people in here. I'm not trying to make you feel convicted. But listen, our Wednesday nights ought to be growing. You ought to be coming to church more than you've ever come to church before. What does it take? What does it take for you to change your mind about Wednesdays and not just stay home and watch TV or whatever you do on Wednesday nights and come up here for an hour to learn more about God's Word? How much are you willing to give Him of you? Hallelujah. I'm going to do my best to stay on my notes, guys, but God is, God is so dealing with me about doing more than we've ever done before. We all say we want the glory of God to fall on Wimberley. The glory is sitting in these pews. Revival is sitting in these pews. Revival starts individually first. Everybody's wanting an outward expression of a revival. Revival does not happen that way. Revival starts within the human spirit. I'm revived every Sunday that I stand in this pulpit, even though I'm reviving myself even all during the week studying. Hallelujah. I get just as much out of these messages as you do. And God is telling me, step it up, son. I want to do so much more in the kingdom before I come and get y'all. This is his kingdom right now. What did he say? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? Where? On earth. On earth. Well, I, we learned that the women ain't made out of dirt. But to you men, y'all are the earth. Your will be done in my life, Lord, as it is in heaven. I know y'all don't like hearing preaching like that. No, y'all do. Somebody may not, but y'all do. I forgive, forgive me for saying that because we got a good, great good group of people here. But God is wanting to separate families unto himself. And for good reason. He could come back any moment. He says, come out from amongst them and be ye separate. I've told you this in the last, I don't know how many services. This world is trying to change the identity of the church. And he does it by changing the identity of the people that go to church. If he can get you to change your mind on what the real church is to, supposed to look like, that it's okay to miss church whenever you want to, no big deal. A little leaven leavens the whole loaf. I'm not a baker and I even know that. Amen. We need to separate ourselves. He's coming back. And God knows we cannot continue to live our lives disagreeing with his word. He knows that uh, 
giving our opinion about what we think His Word is saying. He knows just ignoring His correction when He deals with us about our attitudes, when He deals with us about our temperament, when He deals with us about the words we let come out of our mouths, when He deals with us about the areas of our life, and He uses His Word to help change us for the better, that we have to yield to His Word. You have to yield to God. Amen? We have to agree with Him. We have to say, Father God, I agree with you. I repent. Now help to show me. Show me where I'm making my mistakes so I can conform to your Word. So I can conform to your will. And then don't just say it. Do it. We just read uh, uh, the, the Amplified in that verse says, show yourself to be conformed. Show yourself. Don't tell your, uh, your wife and your kids you're conformed men. Show your wife and your kids you're conformed. Don't show your husband wives that you're conformed to God's word. I mean, don't tell them. Show them. Show yourself to be approved. Show yourself to be conformed to his will. Don't just say it. Our lives are to be living examples, especially to our children. We need to quit flying off the handle and acting like a bunch of heathens in front of our kids. Amen. Grandparents, you need to watch your mouths too in front of your grandkids. We have a scripture in the Bible where it says uh, it takes a village to raise a family, or raise a children, raise a family. These folks right here deserve our help. Don't you dare act like a heathen in front of their kids. I'll come over there. Amen. Aren't you glad this is the last message on this? I can feel the love, I'm telling you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Need to be conformed to God's word, conformed to his uh, will. In other words, if you're going to be conformed to it, then you've got to what? You've got to know his will, don't you? And to know his will, you've got to know his word. That's why I keep hounding people, get into your Bible, get into your Bible. You cannot know God's will. You can guess what his will is, but you can't know his will unless you're in his word. Don't shout me down now just because I'm preaching real good. I told our folks on Wednesday night that the foundational scriptures to this church, and I want you to write them down. I want you to learn them because it pertains to you too. I told them Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I also told them those are the foundation that God gave me to not only for my life, but he said, use them same scriptures to found, make a foundation in your church. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good, that perfect and acceptable will of God. 
Short version of that is your life should belong to God. Period. No part of your life is yours. Every part of your life belongs to Him. And the second part of that, every part of your mind, will, and emotions belongs to Him too. We have no right to operate outside of His will. Amen. Now, do we get to do that? Yes, He's a loving God. He'll let us do whatever we want to. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Amen. But I can tell you this. Many people won't fulfill Romans 12 and 1 2 in their lives. You know how I know that? Because they're not fulfilling the other scriptures. They all think the scriptures are great ideas. But are we doing them? This is time for everybody in this room and everybody watching me by live stream this morning to know where the rubber meets the road. You need to evaluate your life. What if God's grace was dependent on you being able to tell him his word back? Will a lot of people be in trouble? Just asking for a friend. What if he only, what if Jesus only put as much effort into going to the cross as some Christians put into reading their Bible and studying the word? Do you wonder why your pastor thinks things like that? Because I, I love humanity. And so many people out there are going to hell because we ain't doing our jobs. I'm going to just tell you a minute. This world looks like it does not because of Satan. It's because the church has been too quiet. The church won't get out on its knees. The church won't pray. They don't come together as often as they should. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. And I realize, let me just throw a little bone your way. I know some people in here are growing. Amen. We're a work in progress. But how many of you in here by a show of hands say you could do more? Every hand in here is up. Hopefully every hand by watching my live stream is up. We can all do more. Hallelujah. And we all do, th we can all do things. Here's, I'll just use me. And I'll do the word until he really touches on that one area of my life where it's really sensitive. And that's when I want to close the light on, turn the light off on the porch. Hopefully move him down the road to Miss Brenda's house. Hallelujah. We'll do it until we get a little sensitive. Then we just want to close the door on his guidance. Kind of like having a bruise on your body. Anybody ever had a bruise? as long as nobody touches that bruise, we're all good, right? But let somebody just bump that leg or something. This oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, don't touch that. That's the way we are with some of our sin. Ooh, Jesus, don't touch that one. How I many of you know that's exactly where God needs to touch? Amen. And he will do it in love. 
Amen? God still loves you. Just because he might press that bruise don't mean he don't love you. Amen? Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 12. Proverbs 3, 12. Say amen when you're there. Excuse me. Like I say, I'm going to do a whole teaching on this. I don't know when. I am. says in verse number 12, it says, For whom the Lord loves, what does he do? He corrects. <clears throat> but let me say this, but in order for his correction to change you and bring you closer to him, how many of you know you've got to agree with his correction? How many of you know you can sidestep his correction if you want to? You can ignore him. But if you want your life to be better, guys, listen to me. You've got to start agreeing with God. Amen? Amos 3.3, don't turn there. It says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? That's a biblical question, my brothers and sisters. How can someone say they walk with God if their life does not prove that they agree with his word? Just asking for a friend. In other words, if I tell you I'm walking with God, yeah, brother, I'm walking with God. Then my life ought to agree with his word. My life ought to reflect his word. Amen? Amen. So what does that make somebody that says they're walking with God, but they don't reflect God's word? Nobody wants to say it, do they? But it makes us a liar. Read Revelations 21. The end of 21 says all liars will have their place in the lake of fire. Nobody's going to fool God. Now, well, here's your saving grace. All you got to do is have your heart right. Amen? Your heart's got to be walking with God. Your, God, your heart's got to want more of God than you want of anything else. Okay? Your flesh may not line up with it perfectly. But there's also a scripture, guys, just so you'll know, there's also a scripture that says, do not live, uh, use the liberty and the grace of God to commit sin. That's where a lot of Christians are too. They're using the grace of God to just keep doing what they want to do when they want to do it. Don't shout me down now. All right, I'm going to move on. Hallelujah. I cannot tell you I'm walking with God unless the fruit of my life show it. Show, he says, show, show me. God says, show me that you love me. Don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. Show me you're doing my word. Don't just tell your brothers and sisters at church you're doing the word. Show me. Hallelujah. I told you in the beginning this message was going to be for everyone, whether you got kids or not. Turn to your neighbor and say, we all need to get our lives right. Amen. Besides, you're my kids. 
and he's placed you in this house. And I take full responsibility for training you up in the way you should go. Now, whether you go that way is on you. Amen? Just like what your kids go is on them. When they get old enough, when they get to be teenagers, they can go their own way. But that don't mean you quit training them. My wife and I are still in training mode with our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids. Amen. But you're, you're our kids. And you're, the, you're also the kids of the leadership of this church, and a lot of them are sitting in this room right now. These are your kids. They're watching you. Just saying. All right, let's turn it over to Deuteronomy. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm trying to move on. Hallelujah. Y'all still love me? That was kind of weak. How many of you still have the joy of the Lord? Well, some of you need to notify your face. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So our job is what? Train up our kids in the way they should go, right? All right, now I know that we looked at this last week. We're going to take another look at it this morning. Because God's word always carries new revelation. How many of you know that? Deuteronomy chapter 6 to verse number 4. It says, Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Hill Country Cowboy Church. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now look at this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And these words, which I command you today, shall be where? In your heart. Your heart right? How many people got their heart right with God? Amen. Let me say this too. When the word of God gets into your heart, how many of you know you'll put action to it? You'll put action to it. It's not just words anymore. Look at verse 7. Here's part of the action. First, you got to get it in your heart, parents. You got to get it in your heart. And then you got to show it in front of people. You got to live it. You can't tell your kids one thing and then be living another. Then it says in verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise up. That's kind of make 24-7, uh, right? That's a, we just run around the clock. What was that song? Rock around the clock tonight? Yeah. Well, I just went way back. There wasn't but three people in here even knew what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, back when it was eight tracks. Right? Amen. <laughs> when you lie down and when you rise up, it says you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as the frontlets between your eyes. He says you shall write them on your refrigerator, on pieces of paper that you hang on your walls and every other place to keep them in front of your eyes. That's not what it says, but that's what I interpreted that. Ha, my interpretation. 
You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now I'm going to read that verse seven, six and seven from the Amplified. It says this. It says, and these words which I am commanding you. How many of you know that he did not say suggesting? These words that which I am commanding you this day shall be first. Turn your neighbor and say first. In your own minds and hearts. See, you got to get God's word in your mind and your heart first. It's not telling your kids to do something that you're not doing. You're the leader of your home. I said, you're the leader of your home. And it don't matter whether your kids are, and I'll just address the men. It don't matter whether your kids are gone or not. Your wife is in your home. You're supposed to be leading your wife. I should have got at least one male amen right there. Step it up, guys. Amen? Thank you, Brother Hans. Nobody else is wanting to say amen because you ain't acting right probably at home. I'm just going to call the kettle black if it's black. We need to be leading our families. Hopefully you'll repent if you're getting mad at me. Hallelujah. It says you shall, uh, it says in verse 7 in that Amplified, it says, you shall wet. How many of you men know what a wet rock is? What do you do? It sharpens things. That's so good. And you shall wet and sharpen them so as to make them penetrate and teach and impress them diligently upon the minds and hearts of your children. You shall talk of them. Now watch this. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Notice God is commanding you and me to get his word so rooted and grounded in our minds and in our hearts that we want our children to see what we see. That we want our children to live like we want to live, like we're living. That's even stronger. That we want them to live exactly like us, to imitate us. But I'm telling you, until you get the word of God in your heart and in your mind and you start acting right, you shouldn't want your kids acting like you, but most of the time they do. Now I'm up on your porch. No matter of fact, everybody just say this. Say, we're having a cul-de-sac party. <laughs> Amen. We're having, a, we're having a community gathering. Because we can all grow in this area. No matter whether you got kids or not, you can act right at home. And I'm preaching to myself, acting right in front of her, still letting sometimes my flesh get involved. I mean, you know your flesh is never right. How many are going to be glad when we move on? Somebody by the internet say, preach it, pastor. My goodness. I know this is a tough word, guys, but we need it. We need, as parents, as grandparents, as a church, we need to look different than that world out there. 
Hallelujah. We need to look different than they do. Why do you think God says, come out from amongst them and be ye separate? Not to look like they do, not to raise our kids like they do, not to shout and scream at our kids or our wife like they do. Whoo, hallelujah. I'm telling you, if you'll start getting it in your heart and you'll start teaching to your children, your children's behavior will change for the better. But you cannot expect their behavior to change unless your behavior changes first. That's why this message is for everybody. You have to be diligent in teaching your children. It's not hit and miss. It's not one day and then skip six. It's not come to church one Sunday and then miss a month and a half. It's not coming on Sundays and then if you just don't feel like you want to hear the, uh, uh, what's being taught on Wednesday, you're not going to come on Wednesday night. Well, it's just too far, Pastor, to drive. Isn't God's word worth it? Isn't Jesus and getting to know him better worth it? Isn't he worth the drive? What if he had had that attitude in the Garden of Gethsemane? Well, it's just too much, Lord. Father, I'm not going to do it. I already know in the future they're not going to want to come to church. They're not going to want to serve me. Why should I go to the cross for them? They ain't done nothing for me. They ain't done nothing but spit on your name for 4,000 years. Y'all still love me? You still here? You going home? You already checked out? Hallelujah. You know, you can be in your chair and still not be here. <laughs> Hallelujah. I hope you're still here and I hope you're grabbing a hold of this, guys. Amen. I love it, each and every one of you. I do. Or I wouldn't be wanting to correct you. Amen. That's right. Teaching her to say amen. Listen, you don't get at your, the word in your heart and teach it to your kids for my sake. You do it for your sake. You do it for the sake of your children. You do it for the sake of your grandchildren that could still come if, if the Lord tarries. Amen? Do it for their sake. Stop thinking of just yourself and think of your future generations. Hallelujah. You never get too old to have Bible study. Husband and wife, start having Bible study. Start training yourself up in the way you should go. Well, I'm 86 years old. It don't matter. You can still learn something. If you ain't hard-headed, you want to. Is that a word you want to? <laughs> Listen, the Lord gives me these messages to give to you. And you are to take these messages home and to give them to your children. Amen. It is your responsibility to train up your children. It's your responsibility to confirm God's word at home. 
The church is not to, supposed to train up your children. We are to come alongside you to help you train your children up. <clears throat> Don't shout me down now. See, we're all going to be learning godly principles and moving in a godly direction together as a family. Amen? <clears throat> That's what God intended. <clears throat> now, y'all got to really listen quick. I got to move on. Hallelujah. Let's just move, let's just move, turn a page. Oh, no, I can't. I got to just keep moving. Amen. A lot of times we as parents get too busy with other projects to take the time to train up our children. Too many distractions in our lives. Whatever happened to the olden days where the, cord, where the phone was on a cord sitting on a little shelf on, in the hallway? Distractions. Tons and tons of distractions. We have too many distractions in our lives. People, families don't gather at the supper table anymore and have family conversation. They gather at the supper table and they hand their kids a computer apparatus to keep them shut up, make them shut up during supper. Distractions. We're teaching our kids the wrong things. I made a joke out of it, but it was absolutely true. We went on a trip up, to, up north somewhere to a concert and Miss Brenda was there, my grandson was there, all our family was there. We took us a lot of people to church. And we stopped at a little restaurant there in Waco. And I'm, I'm trying to have a conversation. She's sitting over there on her phone texting. So I look on this side. I'm going to try to have a conversation with my grandson or someone. He's sitting over there texting. Come to find out they were texting across the table. Is there anything wrong with that picture? Am I the only one to see something wrong with that? You're sitting across, across the table. Hi, grandson. How you doing? I'm fine. We as families need to institute a new rule. No cell phones, no computer apparatuses, period, at the table. Amen. It's time to share a meal together. It's time to fellowship with one another together without the distractions of a cell phone. Put them down in the other room and turn them off. There's nothing more in, in irritating than sitting down and wanting to eat a nice quiet meal and it goes ding, ding. Ding, because if you don't go answer it, it's just going to keep dinging. And then somebody, I don't know who, jumps up to see who's texting them. They leave the conversation at the table. They ignore the people that they just got up from. As you're showing your actions that's taking you away from that table, godly behavior, 
Is that more important than family fellowship? Dad sitting at the kitchen table telling all the kids about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mom gets a text, jumps up, and runs off to the room and leaves the three Hebrew children burning because Daddy can't finish the story that Jesus is really in there with them because Mom ain't there to join in. So they die because she wants to go answer the telephone. That's funny, but it can be true. Kids are sharing what they learned in Sunday school that day. Maybe sharing what they learned in, in, in the public school. Dad phones go ding. He jumps up because he, he knows that somebody's supposed to be texting him about a new job. See if his parts is coming in. See if the lumber package is there yet. So he leaves his wife and his kids at the table. And he's showing his kids that that telephone call or that text is more important than what they did in school. That that job is more important than what they learned in Sunday school. Y'all stay with me. I'm just about done. I'm not going to get you out of here early. I'm not going to promise you that anymore. I'm just going to keep saying, turn the phones off. Sit down with your children and show them the new you. All right, I'm going back to page one. <laughs> we need to come together and have fellowship without the distractions. And the Lord's been dealing with me that too, way too because her and I need some growing in that area ourselves. Some people can't even function without their cell phone. Get halfway to town, say, oh my gosh, oh my God, Where, where's my phone? Where, oh, we got to go, I got to go back and get my phone. Where's my phone, baby? Mel, remember we bought that new phone pouch for you. It's hanging around your neck. Or it's in your pocket. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? I got to have my phone. I know, see, there's a lot of people identifying with what I'm saying right now. <laughs> but listen, we wonder why we don't grow up spiritually. We're wasting too much of our time on other things when we should have our nose and our minds and our wills in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Notice what it says again in Deuteronomy 6, 7, 9, 5. It says, teach and impress, uh, impress on them diligently upon the minds and the hearts of your children. And you'll talk of them when you sit. You'll talk of them when you go by, walk with them. You'll talk with them when you lie down. And you'll talk when you rise up. In other words, my brothers and sisters, you're always in teaching mode. Hallelujah. It's not just about teaching the kids and then going home, teaching them in church 
Let them come to Sunday school and then you're going home and never mentioning Jesus or never mentioning anything about God for another whole week. And because you're not, then your attitudes get bad. Your attitudes get worldly. Where if you just kept your mind on God and kept your mind on God's Word, your attitudes would be better. Your behavior patterns would be better. Parents are to be the ones who teach their children. Proverbs 22 says, train up your child in the way they should go. Last week we learned the word train means to discipline them. You have to discipline your children. And sometimes that means you got to swat them on the backside. Amen. Never hit your kids with your hand. Never hit them with the same hand that you love them with that it just confuses them. But they need to be disciplined and sometimes it needs to be with a belt or a, sw- a paddle. Amen. This might be pointed at the women. Never tell your kids, wait till you get home. Or wait till your daddy gets home. You discipline them right then. It is a joint effort. God didn't make the wife the saint, and the man, the devil. Amen. You got to discipline them together. And you got to come into agreement with the type of discipline you're going to discipline them with. Amen. I've seen too many uh, parents. Their little kid starts acting up in the restaurant. They say, wait till y'all get you home. You know what that kid remembers when he gets home? Nothing. No, you get them up right then. You take them to the bathroom. You take your belt off, men, and this is for the man. And whether they're a little girl, little boy, you take them in the bathroom and you give them a squat and you get down there on their level and you say, now this is why you're getting a spanking. We don't behave like that in restaurants or anywhere. And then you take them back out there and you let them know when you're on out there. Everybody's going to be looking at you because you acted a fool. No, don't tell them you acted a fool. You acted up. So all the eyes are going to be on you because they're all going to be wondering, what did he do to her back there? What did he do to him? Then you set them down at the table and if they start doing the same thing, get them right back up. And you do go through the same thing again. And if they do it like I did, I mean, (laughs) I never learned. (laughs) You get them right back up and you repeat the process. Because they will try to wear you out. Children are resilient. And let me tell you what's going to happen if you give in and don't keep it up. You're not consistent and continuous in your discipline. Your children will push your buttons every time you go to the restaurant, every time you go to the store, every time you're sitting at their kitchen table. They're going to do exactly what they know they can get away with. Don't shout me down now because I'm really preaching good. Hallelujah. You have to teach your children. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. I'm going to jump over here. I'm going to give you three things real quick. Next, you got, we got six minutes. I'm going to give you three things in six minutes on what you need to be teaching your children. Number one, teach them how to pray. 
Mark 1.35 said, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. He's talking about Jesus. It amazed me when the Lord revealed to me that the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them was to pray. You need to teach your children to pray. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I believe it would be very hard-pressed to find four or five sets of parents in this room or watching my live stream this morning that actually take the time to teach their children to pray. What prayer is, how to pray, how to enter into the king, uh, into God's presence. You got to teach them them things. You have to teach them what it means to talk with God. You have to teach them what it means to ask God for guidance. And then most of all, you got to teach them how to listen for God to give them the answers. We got to teach them to pray. Teach them how to spend daily time with the Lord. Help them establish a daily devotional. No matter how young they are, get them a children's devotional and sit down with them and have devotional time with your children. You have different age children? Devotion times may vary for your teenagers. Amen? But when, especially when they're young, don't try to sit down and have an hour Bible study with them. I can't even hold your attention for an hour sometimes. My point is, are you having a daily devotional with your children? If the answer is no, start today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Set aside that special time and take some time to read the, uh, their, their little devotionals with them. And be consistent. I said be consistent. Every night, mom and dad ought to be opening up the devotional and letting, them tell the letting your kids tell the stories. And then at the end of the devotional, have them pray. Amen? Teach them to pray. Teach them to have a special time with God. Number two. Teach them how special they are in God or to God. Psalm 139, 14 through 18, it says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made, <clears throat> made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being uh, yet unformed, and you, in your book they were all written. Notice what he says there. Everything about your children, and I'm going to talk to especially people watching by live stream, if you're part of this uh, new culture that tries to change the gender of a person, it says every part was already written. Are you hearing me? Amen. It says, how precious also, verse number 17 says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should discount them, they would be more than the number of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Parents, instill in your children how special they really are. That they are fearfully and wonderfully made. That, they are made. that God made them special just like they are. And he does not need human beings to change the blueprint. Can you say amen? amen? In other words, guard your children against Satan's attempts to re-identify who, who God made your children to be. Are you with me? 
Number three, <clears throat> and this is really just an introduction to what's coming in the future, guys. Hallelujah. Number three, teach your children to walk in the love of God. Teach your children how to love other people. Teach them how to love other people like God loves them. Notice I didn't say teach them to love others. I said teach them how to love others. In other words, teach them by example. <clears throat> Show your children how to walk in the love of God toward their mother. Show your children how to walk in the love of God toward their dad. Show your children. Teach them. How many of you know you can't teach something without first living it yourself? You got to first do it and then you can teach others. You can't walk in the love of God without first knowing what the love of God looks like. How many of you know that? How many of you know where it's described in the Bible? Well, you're going to know this morning, write down 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Because this is how we should love. Amen? And as we go through these scriptures, I want you to just watch the board because I'm going to read them out of the Amplified. As we go through these scriptures, I want you to evaluate your love walk. 1 Corinthians 13 verse number 4 says, Love endures long. And is patient and kind. We could just park right there and I could just really preach. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious. Love does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited. It is not arrogant. It is not inflated with pride. It's never rude and unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. How many of you could grow in at least one area already? <laughs> Amen. This is for our good, guys. Amen. Never boils over joy. Uh, it's not boastful, vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on his own or her own rights or his or her own way. Now, that's a tough one. But it's the absolute truth. We should always put the other person first. Thank you, sister. You just kept us from going another hour. I know this hurts, guys, because nobody likes to be corrected. But we, need, we as a Christian group need to be looked different than they do out there. They're selfish. If, they're, if the world is selfish, what should we be? Selfless. Amen. It shouldn't be my way first and then Miss Brenda's. It should be her way first. No, it should be my way first. That's what you should say. <laughs> no, it should be a joint effort. Amen. I just like to hear y'all laugh. 
takes the edge off of things. And listen, I could see some sharp edges out there right now. <laughs> Whoo! Hallelujah. Does not insist on its own way, for it is not what? Self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Don't just fly off the handle when I do, when Miss Brenda does something that gets under my skin. Or she don't do things I think she ought to be doing or things I think she ought to be doing my way. I know I'm the only one that does that. I'm just coming clean, guys. I look at it, it says confess your sin before man. But I've got to grow in some of these areas, and so do you. We need to quit being so selfish in our lives. Verse 7. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person? Oh, excuse me. And it hopes and uh, are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Look at verse number eight. Love never fails. Love never fails. You want you having problems in your life? Love never fails. You having problems with a family member? Love never fails. And it's God's kind of love. It's unconditional love. Amen? Amen. All right, let me close. And let me say this. Brothers, parents, sisters, Psalm 127 says our children... Verse number three says, our children are a gift from God. And God has commanded you and I and this church to train up our children in the way they should go. And we train them up by how we live in front of them. Can you say amen? To raise up your children to be godly and to establish a godly family on this earth right now, you have to start with you. You have to start being a godly parent. Can you say amen? amen? All right, let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but uh, I found this message a little bit eye-opening. Where I know I can change. Amen? How many of you have seen something in here you can do better? Hallelujah. Sure, glad. Praise the Lord. It ain't about just me giving a good message. It's about you receiving and doing what it tells you to do. Amen? All right. Well, we always give everybody an opportunity to rededicate their life to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you that this morning, we're going to rededicate our lives in a manner that we're going to be better than we were when we came in here. We're going to be better parents. We're going to be better grandparents. We're going to be better church members. Amen? So, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I expect every hand to be raised in here. If you're in here and you want to be better than you were before you came in, raise your hand, hold it up just a minute, and then wave at God, and then put it right back down. Those at home, I hope you raised your hand as well. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten Son. He came... That I, have my, that I might have life and I could have it more abundantly. Part of that life is to have godly children. Part of that life is to be a godly person. So I thank you, Father God, that I am becoming 
what you expect me to become. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. We close out every service saying we serve a miracle working God. And I have seen a miracle this morning in each one of you. And uh, you're always next in line for another miracle. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.